This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. We must guard against the military-industrial conflict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of the best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making our truth journey a reality. Please subscribe at VeritasRadio.com to listen to all segments of tonight's interview and all of our material. And don't forget to purchase MMS directly from us and also our USB drives with all our seasons and bonus material. Just go to our Veritas store for more information. And to get in touch with us for member support, media inquiries, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower, there's a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. According to Dr. Susan B. Martinez, tonight's special guest, there was an advanced species of little people that covered the face of the earth before the advent of mankind. When mankind started taking over, they started disappearing almost without a trace. Yet traces of a few of them were found. In certain parts of the United States, mounds were found. They contained the bones of tiny, elf-like people. They were brushed off as the graves of children. Yet, they showed signs of being middle-aged adults. Cheyenne legend holds that there was a race of people who lived in borrow or underground. They taught the Native Americans about the use of herbs and medicines 
plus the use of tools and technology. They were the teachers of mankind. All around the world, there are societies of little people. The Bushmen of the Congo, Negritos in Indonesia, Negrillos in the Philippines, and the Andamans in the continent of South America. There are legends of these little people documented all over the world, ranging from Greek, Roman, Sumerian, Irish, Norse, and Native American. The little people of today live in forests, underground dwellings, and high mountainous areas. As modern humans encroach, they die off and their numbers become fewer. In the burrows that have been unearthed, advanced tools have been found, indicating that they knew how to build and manufacture tools long before Homo sapiens even appeared. They passed their skills to us. The little people came from an island continent called Pan, also known as Lemuria or Mu, which, like Atlantis, was destroyed in a great flood. The survivors joined everyone on the mainland. Their skin was described as white or almost translucent. You could see through their veins. They were people of peace, well-mannered and non-violent, due to the absence of weaponry found in all of their burial sites. Their society was egalitarian and their beehive societal structure put priority on the tribe instead of members venturing alone. They were nocturnal dwellers with moon-like eyes. Their women were abducted by the Homo erectus. This hybridization gave way to Homo sapiens, the birth of man. If you want to know how little people had such an important influence throughout history and how pivotal their role was, don't go anywhere. Dr. Susan B. Martinez is coming up next, right now on Veritas. This is Dr. Rita Louise, and you're listening to Veritas Radio. Susan B. Martinez, Ph.D., is a writer, linguist, teacher, paranormal researcher, and recognized authority on the OASP Bible, with a doctorate in anthropology from Columbia University. The author of many books, including Time of the Quickening, and the latest one, titled The Lost History of the Little People, their spiritually advanced civilizations around the world. And coming in November, a new book titled The Mysterious Origins of Hybrid Man, Crossbreeding, and the Unexpected Family Tree of Humanity. She is the book review editor for the Academy of Spirituality and Paranormal Studies and lives in Clayton, Georgia. And directly from Clayton, Georgia, I'm privileged to have Dr. Susan B. Martinez here for the first time on Veritas. Hello, Dr. Martinez, and welcome. How are you? Hello, Mel, and thank you for having me. My pleasure, and I understand you're feeling a little bit under the weather, so I'm, I'm, I, I want to thank you right from the start, uh, the fact that you are continuing with this. The show must go on. Absolutely. <laughs> I, li- I like the attitude. Uh, first of all, I read your book a few days ago, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, The Lost History of the Little People. This is one of those topics that have been going back and forth It's mentioned a few times with a lot of our guests, but we've never had an opportunity to discuss it in detail. Uh, The term homo floresiensis comes to mind. But first of all, for those who don't know, let's define the term little people. Uh, It it means just what it uh, says. Uh, People 
originally of the stature of three feet tall. Uh, and in today's world, uh, their uh, descendants, their mixed descendants, are um, up to about four foot, four and a half foot. And those are the pygmies and negritos of, of, of the world today. Now, the word negritos, of course, if we translate it into Spanish, negritos, it's, it's a little black people. Where does the term come from? Well, it originated in the Philippines when the Spanish came in there and mm. discovered that there were uh, tiny people living in the jungle, and, and they called them uh, los negritos del monte. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of a misnomer because they're not uh, related to Africans in any right. special way. Well, the same thing could be said about the the conquistadors, and you know, when they came to the Caribbean and they called the indigenous people Indios, uh, just because maybe the I colors think. it was reminiscent to people from India. Is there a correlation here? Well, yeah, it was just kind of a quick uh, naming according to the Western viewpoint. Is that what you're asking? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, there are. Um, besides that, there are, uh, going back to the Philippines, there are some, there is one enclave of uh, little people, um, a very remote, in a very remote region um, called the Aben Lens. And these people are almost white, so we can't really call them Negritos. They're very uh, fair of coloring. Uh, so the term is not exactly right, but we use it. The, the standard terms in um, uh, anthropology are negritos uh, for the world's uh, little people, most of whom are dark, uh, fairly dark-skinned, and negrillos, which is the term they came up with for the pygmies of the Congo. Mm-hmm. Now, somebody like you, what motivated you to look into this specific topic? Um... Everybody wants to know that. It's the most frequent question I've been getting, and I've been trying to give everybody um, a um, different answer in order to disguise my uh, real motivation, which will not come out for uh, a little while. But uh, I recognize that this was an area that uh, was never pulled together. Um, there are no books. I mean, I mean, uh, I wrote a book. Uh, one of my uh, early books was on uh, Abraham Lincoln, on the psychic life of Abraham Lincoln, and there I had about ten thousand books to choose from uh, in, for the research part mm-hmm. of the uh, work. Uh, with the little people, it was just the opposite. There is no book at all that brings together uh, what we know here in the 20th century about the little people. Uh, the only uh, uh, po- uh, possibilities are uh, ethnographic uh, monographs on Negritos in particular locations. Um, I also felt that it was time to... Um, you see, the book before that was uh, kind of about... Uh, uh, prophecy, and and books before that. The quickening. Uh, yes, and before that, I was kind of on a um, stream of books uh, with a, sp- a spiritual kind of uh, subject matter. Um, I sort of um, played out on that and 
really got into what I wanted to, which was uh, history, deep history, and uh, all the misunderstandings that we have nowadays about the ancient past. Um, I think the best starting point was the little people, because after all, the way my research adds up is that uh, Noah, Noah and the sons of Noah were actually little people hmm. who did survive a great flood. Now, I please, I need you to expand on this because this is, this is new to me, too. Okay, um, this brings us back uh, 24,000 years. And um, if you're a person who reads um, books on, on proto-history and the unknown past, and ancient civilizations, pre-ancient civilizations, um, you have um, heard a lot about uh, world mythology on the subject of a flood. And uh, I wanted to clarify this because I have uh, some knowledge on the subject which would make us see things differently than we do now. all the mythology, including the Bible, talks about a flood, uh, but it doesn't mean, first of all, that it was universal. It was not universal. What I'm trying to bring out is that it was the submersion of a continent in the Pacific Ocean, and that is 24,000 years ago. Uh, the uh, survivors... Uh, who went off on fi- in five fleets and settled in all the divisions of the world uh, brought the story of the flood with them, and that's why it turns up on a u- universal basis, but it does not mean that the entire world was flooded. Interesting. And you use the word myth as well, which or mythology, and, and I've heard from other researchers who say that the word mythology was that the actual meaning was the Anathi David signed by priests and kings. In other words, is is the word mythology actually more like history, and we need to start demythologizing history? Yes, exactly. Um, uh, anybody who's grappled with mythology, trying to uh, dig out what is historical, knows very well that myth and legend and oral history is a fantastic hodgepodge of fact and fiction. Um, So you need to already have a footing or a hypothesis of uh, of the ancient world in order to begin to parse out one from the other. That's what I do. I mean, I go through a myth and I see, I can see one sentence after another that's just uh, make-believe stuff. It it was entertainment in the ancient world, so why not? but then I hit on something that I see is a remnant of uh, historical uh, knowledge. And that's the issue. Because it was oral tradition, this is obviously before the Gutenberg Press, how do you parse one from the other with certainty? Um, I use um, the baseline of knowledge that I have, and I go through it uh, uh, in, in that way, you know, um, like uh, uh, Native American myth, when you have animals talking and doing magical things, I can, you know, easily eliminate that as entertainment value. Right. Um, and 
uh, I, I can't really climb you into my mind and explain it all, but um, I've been uh, studying these things for 30 years, and I have a grasp of what's true and what's uh, not true. So that's how I go through the material. Does the same apply, perhaps, to religious books? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, religion uh, definitely enters into this. And, yes, I do the same with religion. Um, See, Mel, um, I'm a spiritualist, and uh, I have received uh, knowledge of uh, the spirit world uh, from the Oaspe Bible, which is one of my um, uh, Bibles, one of my main uh, sources of information. Then I go out and see if I can confirm or deny it, and then along with it, I use the most reliable literature I can find. What is the Oaspe Bible? Are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm there. Oh, okay. I'm uh, there. What, what is the Oaspe Bible? Um, now we're getting into a different um, subject altogether, but um, it's not a problem. We'll come back. Uh, okay, okay. Um Oaspe is probably the least known of the world's Bibles. Uh, it is a an authentic work. Uh, I sometimes, occasionally, I see in print someone who's who uh, dumps on it. And uh, in fact, <laughs> I was just reading a very um, a, a very account, accomplished. I was just reading the book of a very accomplished uh, uh, scholar named uh, L. Sprague de Camp. Does that that name ring any bells? Sounds familiar. Yeah. Okay. He wrote in the middle of the um, of the twentieth um, century, and I just finished reading this this morning. Um, he is was one of the few who was familiar with Oaspe, and uh, he spent about a page and a half describing it, and um, he called it an ersatz uh, Bible. Well, that is not true. It is a, an authentic uh, set of scriptures uh, uh, with the distinction that they are recent. They came out in the late 19th century. They came to us by process of automatic uh, writing. It was actually automatic typewriting. Uh, this was in the early 1880s. Um, it happened in uh, New York City. The amanuensis was a gentleman named John Newbro. He was a dentist and doctor and lots of other things. He was also a clairvoyant. He, he, he was put by the angel world in training for the uh, for receiving for transmitting the uh, uh, the manuscript, he was put in a ten year cycle of training. He had to become vegetarian. He had to offer pro bono work in his medical field, and so so forth and so on. I happened to write a biography of Nubro. It's called The Hidden Prophet. In a similar way, Oaspe is the hidden Bible. Um, now, how, how do we... Uh, what, what's the word I want to use? How do we compare, uh, say, take the King James Bible versus the uh, 
the Waspe New Bible? Um, Waspe is similar to... Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.